Andre. Andre. Wake up, buddy. Uh, I don't want to go to school, mama. Andre. Wake up, buddy. It's time to do the show. Uh, five, five more minutes. Hit this news. Andre. Come on, buddy. You can do this. What? What? What's going on? That's right. Here is your host of the Negative Positives Podcast, all the way from sunny California, Andre Dominguez. Welcome back to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 242. I'm your co-host, Andre Dominguez, coming at you from the City of Angels with another solo show. So today, I've got a few things that I want to talk about, but first of all, I have a little bit of an unboxing to do. I have already opened it up since there would obviously be a lot of sound of tape and plastic and bubble wrap, but I just received in the mail a package from friend of the show and a recent father celebrating Father's Day, uh, Junior Wyatt, who sent me... Uh, a lens that he's letting me borrow for a little while, the Nikon 60mm 2.8 macro, uh, so I can test out the close focus ability with it, as well as trying to do some, some portraits. I don't think it would necessarily replace a, uh, a 50 1.8, just because that's such a standard uh, kit lens, but it could be a really interesting kind of dual purpose lens when it comes to the type of, uh, of wrist shots that I want to do, which one could, you know, consider it. When I say like macro, I'm not necessarily saying, you know, huge lighting setup with photographing the tiniest details on a watch, but rather just being able to point the, um, the camera at the, the watch that's on my wrist, which is a pretty short distance. Therefore you need a a pretty short minimal focusing distance and a 50 unfortunately uh, just doesn't cut it most of the time so I'm trying to see if this uh, if this could be an interesting dual purpose lens for me at some point in the future and I'm very grateful to junior for having sent that over for me to borrow for uh, about a week or so also in the package was five rolls of Ilford Pan F 50 plus which is uh, if you guys don't know it is a 50 ISO, so really low speed, uh, extremely fine grain black and white film from Ilford in a 120 medium format. I have used this, the, the most experience I have with Panf is from uh, shooting it with, uh, with the pinhole camera that I used to have. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the reciprocity characteristics weren't great with it, but you got these really, really high contrast images and uh, I've actually been wanting to shoot some slower speed film with uh, with the Rolleiflex to get some some shallow depth of field in uh, on bright sunny days here in Southern California. So I was very very grateful to have received this from Junior. That was uh, his his payment or trade, so to speak, for the Olympus Trip 35 that I will be sending him in the mail hopefully tomorrow uh, during my lunch break. So I think it was a great you know little. Kind of tit for tat trade some some awesome film to to help train me in a new area of photography 
in exchange for a camera that is great, but I really don't use anymore. And it would actually be really cool to, uh, because it, the Olympus Trip 35 is such a simple camera, to see, you know, maybe hopefully in, a, in not too many years, his twins start to, to take some pictures with it. I think that would be a lot of fun to see. Last but not least, the last thing that he included here in the uh, package addressed to me was a roll of none other than the Kodiak, the big Kodiak, Kodak 2238. A uh, real funky film that Mr. Michael Bartasek, a uh, friend of the show and former guest, and also one of my travel partners this weekend for our little photographic trip, which we've actually added another person to it, uh, everyone's favorite uh, film photography YouTuber, Mr. Mac McDonald and his wife Mary are going to be joining us. Uh, we're not going to Catalina anymore, instead we're going to Joshua Tree um, to go and shoot some like desert portraits and some, hopefully some pretty cool landscapes. I'm, I'm already searching Amazon for a uh, like a, a travel flask in order to <laughs> to bring some some of Kentucky's finest for some desert celebration. I think that should be a lot of fun. And now I've actually got now uh, three rolls of the 2238. So given the fact that the, the light is going to be so bright and we're going to be out in the desert, uh, it's pretty much going to be a very low speed um, film bag that I'm taking with me between the, I think I'm with, with DF96, at least what, what Michael Bartosek told me, if I remember correctly, he rates the 2238 at ISO 6, and then in the, in the flex I'll be shooting the, the Ilford Pan at 50, so I hope we don't get some surprise clouds, otherwise I might be in a bit of trouble. Or if, if Ed and I decide to grab lunch again on Friday during my lunch break, uh, we might pop on over to Freestyle to stock up a little bit. But yeah, that was just a little kind of opening uh, mailbag from Junior Wyatt. Thank you so much, Junior. As well as uh, some some more insights into what I may be packing for our, our weekend uh, Southern California film shooters meetup. <laughs> Uh, part two, I want to talk a little bit about um, some thoughts I've been having, both in terms of gear as well in terms of process. Uh, in the in the little Facebook group that we have with a bunch of the different hosts of, of several film photography podcasts, one of the actual real positive side effects of the whole failed attempt at a at an April Fool's joke that we did with uh, with M from Emulsive kind of bringing all the the film podcasters together as many as we as we could muster in order to i mean ostensibly you know bridge some some gaps establish new friendships collaborate uh, but really all we kind of do is shit talk each other in <laughs> in a in a message in a group text uh, but one of the things that I recently had a conversation with Corey Cannon, uh, co-host of the Lensless podcast, was talking about how much this whole process I've been going through that I've been trying to, to document over the past few days um, of shooting slide film in a really intentional way and kind of fulfilling the entire process start to finish from, you know, loading the, the film to trying my best to, to be really careful with my, my metering as well as my composition since you can't 
crop in on a, on a mounted slide. And when it comes to slides, that really is my, my goal. If I'm shooting slide film, it's because of the fact that not necessarily about the colors, which I do like, and the sharpness, which I do like, but it's because of the fact that they can be, um, uh, what is it called, projected, uh, mounted and projected at a, a later date. Otherwise, I would just shoot color negative because, you know, Ektar looks great and it's a great color negative film with great colors, etc. Uh, but there's a reason why I shoot slide film. It's, it's because of that process and because of the ability to project. So looking over the entire process, as I mentioned, uh, from, from deciding when to shoot that film, recently it's been, you know, what are the situations that I'm going to want to project uh, a slideshow? It's mainly going to be family stuff. So picking a family vacation or any time that my family's getting together, loading, uh, packing and loading just that film, being very careful to meter my exposures uh, correctly or at, at least closest to what I know the, the dynamic range or the, the exposure latitude of that film is going to allow for. Being much more careful in terms of my composition because of the fact that I can't really crop after the fact and um, developing an E6 in, in batches rather than mixing up a bunch of E6 chemistry and you know letting rolls sit or, or not having enough because I'm shooting it intermittently, rather compacting all of my slide shooting to these relatively short periods of time in which I'm reunited with my family, um, mounting the slides, uh, and then, which probably for me is the hardest thing, is the actual curation of the, the slideshow. I ended up with several uh, print file sleeves full of mounted slides that I then had to, you know, distribute out little by little on my on my light table and here on the on the kitchen table, and try to build a story. Think about things in terms of continuity. Look at what clothes people were wearing so that I can put, you know, the right slides. Uh, for, for the correct days of that trip, for example. Picking through the um, what I hope to have been a little bit mindful about in terms of taking a good mix of wider angle establishing shots, um, portraits, and kind of close-up detail shots, and also more sort of transitionary shots that, that help flow through kind of one scene to the next. And that part is really tough. That took me almost... Uh, about two, two and a half hours over the weekend to put together that slideshow. And then, you know, having a few bracketed exposures that I, I wasn't sure which was gonna be the final one that was gonna work, uh, just putting them next to each other in the, in the print file sleeve, which I'll then, you know, project in the actual space here in my apartment, where I'm gonna project it for my parents when they come to visit, to figure out which of these exposures, given the brightness of the bulb, given uh, how, how dark I can get the apartment at night, which of those are gonna be the best. Um, anyways, it's a very kind of long, rambly explanation of the whole process that I use when shooting slide film, but it just made me realize that when I'm shooting slides, I think so much more about this entire process. I'm so much more intentional with my exposures, composition, editing, curation, sharing of the images, than I am with color negative, be it black and white or, uh, well, with negative film, be it color negative or with black and white. And I really do want to kind of 
try to incorporate some of those same lessons into my other work. I think that I can be a little bit, if not trigger happy, not as intentional with uh, the frames that I choose to expose. Now, there's definitely, you can go overboard with that. You can look at something and, and say, ah, well, that's not going to be, you know, uh, Theoretically, just trying to kind of put myself in the same mind space. That wouldn't be a, a frame that I would want to project for my parents and, and dedicate several hours worth of work after the, even after the developing process itself, um, in order to to justify whether or not I'm going to take that shot. I don't want to go to that extreme, but I do want to be a little bit more mindful. Ask myself, well, you know. What does this composition look like? Do I need to get a couple steps closer, a couple steps back? Yes, I can crop and post, but let me try to get it right in camera. Let me do a better job of trying to tell a story if I am in that kind of documentary mindset. Am I just using one lens on the camera? Am I mixing up a, a mix of you know wider angle establishing shots? Even if I, if I don't have the, the luxury of changing the lens, am I at least trying to incorporate, you know, increasing the distance from me and the subject, getting a wider angle establishing shot, and then coming in for more detailed shots as well. Shooting more portraits, which is something that I don't do a whole lot of, that I do quite a bit when I'm shooting slide, because nine times out of 10, I'm shooting pictures of my family. And as, as I think important as those kind of wider angle establishing shots and the detail shots are to telling the full story, even if I don't accomplish that, at the very least, the majority of the frames on that roll and the majority of the, of the mounted slides in that slideshow will be hopefully, you know, impactful, meaningful portraits of my friends and family when we're spending time with each other. So it's just a, a, a thing that you know, I've been thinking about and, and trying to find ways to incorporate that in my non-slide film photography. And that manifests itself in a few ways. One of them is in terms of the gear itself. Um, I, for some reason, I don't know whether it's uh, because of the fact that the meter on my Nikon FE SLR is just really great and, and I, I trust it pretty well that I tend to gravitate towards it for film, uh, for slide film, or if it's the fact that just because of it being an SLR, not that, not that rangefinder, uh, you know, the, the frame lines don't do this for you already, but there's something about having just the, the, the image area itself and then black all around it in the in the viewfinder that for slide film helps me visualize the 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 mounted slide a little bit better. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if that's you know a legitimate uh, thing and maybe it's just that I haven't shot enough slide film with with rangefinders. Even though I do think of of that same kind of Thing regarding composition and where the edges of my frame are going to be when I'm shooting uh, a rangefinder because of the fact that I like printing 8x10. Um, but anyways, in, in terms of trying to get that mix of, of uh, wide establishing, uh, kind of normal 
for lack of a better term, uh, <laughs> distance and, and uh, field of view portraits, as well as closer up, potentially even macro um, detail shots, uh, that tends to lend itself more easily to SLRs in, in my experience. I don't really have super wide angle um, SLR lenses, nor do I have super long uh, SLR lenses, uh, rangefinder lenses, pardon me, or ones that can focus really close. So I think it shooting more slide film in the future is going to get me to start shooting SLRs more and appreciating them more and starting to kind of gravitate to each system for different things. Um, you know, shooting mainly black and white film, uh, mainly just sort of candid street stuff with the rangefinder. But if I'm meeting up with with people um, and and trying to tell a story, trying to take a lot of portraits, reaching for the SLR uh, more often than not. So it's just interesting as um, I kind of explore different goals that I have and, and different approaches that I take to the the theory behind my my photography and some of the the actual techniques that i'm trying to improve on is having a big influence on the gear that i choose to use going back a, a couple of weeks from when i was shooting that um that uh what was it called the watches and wildlife event at that art gallery i was shooting with the the roloflex a camera that historically I don't really shoot indoors a lot because of the fact that it's it's a slower camera to, to operate. Uh, my focusing screen is not the brightest in the world, and it's a, a it's got a very very small split image, which especially when I put on the the prism finder, which I kind of prefer over the waist level finder. Uh, it just it makes it. I mean, at that point, it is an SLR, right? but it, it makes you think and shoot like you're shooting an SLR, especially if, you, if you're using an SLR that has a, a split image focusing screen. You tend to want to make sure that, you know, that pinpoint focus uh, because you're seeing in terms of, of depth of field. So it's, it's something that I found very interesting being in a relatively low light situation, I pushed the, the Tri-X to 3200, basically had to shoot almost wide open at f4, and those are, are conditions that I historically would not have, and I think I was shooting at like between 130th and 160th of a second handheld. Um, those historically are not conditions that I would ever shoot that camera with, but it, it allowed me to really focus on Okay, I've got 12 shots in this. Uh, my my aperture is really wide. My shutter speeds are really low for the the weight of this camera. Plus my like you know messed up uh, surgery uh, scar tissue stuff um, and just lack of physical shape. <laughs> How am I going to to be more intentional with these 12 shots and make sure that they that they count and they really made me, I think, uh, not, not to make this melodramatic, but I think that that event kind of was an example of me trying to actually be a better photographer. I was waiting for 
certain moments longer until I got, you know, the moment that I wanted to and fired the shutter. I was, you know, focusing a little bit more carefully, being more creative in terms of how I used that sp split image focusing screen in low light, trying to find things with uh, hard shadows or reflective surfaces. Guess what? There's a, a lot of at a watch event that is usually unless the person has their arm like super outstretched in a rough, you know, equal plane to their face, their watch, <laughs> especially if they're holding it kind of out in front of their face, sharing it with the, the other watch nerds at that event and telling the stories of their timepieces. Being able to, you know, in, in daylight, you, with, when you have so much more light and that focusing screen is just super illuminated and you can focus so much more easily, being in a low light situation like that, I would then position the split image uh, instead of on you know, somebody's collar or their hair or glasses if they had glasses, I would actually go for the, the brightest, most reflective, highest contrast thing in that scene that was in the plane of their face, which was the watch. And that was just kind of an example of sort of me trying to be a savvier photographer, thinking on my feet, being creative, uh, and finding a solution to a difficult problem, which I think that I don't do often enough. And it's not even when I'm just trying to kind of have a more Lamography mindset, <laughs> seeing as we, as we just had Ed Conde on. Um, that you can get when you're shooting a more sort of point-and-shoot camera. Not that these uh, these same kind of lessons and techniques can't be applied to that either, but there's definitely something to be said for just not stressing out about it, having fun, and just, you know, just point-and-shoot. But I'm trying to achieve a little bit of a balance with that. There's definitely a part of me that wants to embrace some of the simpler cameras, have fun, burn through a lot of film, uh, and, and get some kind of fun, uh, oftentimes unexpected, uh, great shots. And there's another part of me that really wants to be a little bit more technical, challenge myself with some difficult lighting situations, um, shoot more uh, really kind of uh, heavy investment processes, such as shooting more slide film and going through all the effort to, to mount and develop and mount and project my, my slide film. These are all things that are kind of influencing my, my photography moving forward, um, influencing the type of gear that I am becoming interested in, selling off things that I thought were integral to the way that I shot photos before and that over time I am kind of coming to grips with the fact that they, they served their their purpose at a certain period of my photographic journey and it's time to you know move on to, to different things it goes for gear it goes for techniques it goes for styles of photography uh, film stocks pretty much like I feel like very much like my photography is in flux right now there's a lot of things that I'm being exposed to a lot of new things that I'm trying new cameras new film stocks and it's a it's an exciting time it's a worrisome time for my wallet in that I felt like I didn't really have a whole lot of gas <laughs> like a year ago I kind of had the cameras that that I, I thought that I really wanted and I was gonna keep forever 
um, wasn't really super interested in trying that many new film stocks and now it's like starting from square one which is exciting but also scary because there's just so many uh, things that, that I want to try <laughs> and that I may be interested in getting at some point and having two expensive hobbies as I've bitched and moaned about before on the podcast is inconvenient <laughs> especially living in a not not cheap city in terms of, of cost of living and working in the film photography industry that you know doesn't necessarily pay the big bucks but is very very rewarding anyways after that long long uh hopefully semi-coherent ramble i'm gonna hand it over to mr ian fleming uh, we've got a, a quick little email from him as well as a Colin. So Ian says here, uh, Mike and Andre, great CCR chemistry episode. I'm an XTAL user for most stuff uh, with Ilford Rapid Fix, Kodak Hypoclear in the mix, then rinse and squeegeeing after with Ilford PhotoFlow, and I warm my squeegee in warm water. Thanks folks, Ian Fleming. Uh, thank you Ian for, for sharing that. I really do encourage you guys to uh, send in your Collins of what kind of chemistry do you use? What developer do you use? Uh, do you choose to use a, a chemical stop bath or just water? Uh, what are your opinions on the different fixers out there? Uh, do you use HypoClear or just you know wash for a long time? Are you in a place that uh, you know experiences a drought and you prefer the Ilford washing method? Uh, to squeegee or not to squeegee? Do you rub your <laughs> your dirty Kentuckian fingers down the, the surface of your film, angering many of, uh, of the other members of our little community? Uh, whatever it is that you do, it would be great to uh, get an email from you or ideally uh, a call-in letting us know what your, what your process is like. Speaking of call-ins, Ian also called in to give us a little bit of a review on the Kodak Instamatic, let me pull up the name, should have had this prepped in advance, the Kodak Instamatic X90. So let's hand it over to Ian for the call-in. Hi, Mike and Andre, it's Ian Fleming again with um, a calling cam review. This time I thought I'd do a bit of an unusual one, well, unusual as it's an Instamatic, surprise, surprise, 126. But it's the Instamatic X90. Uh, it's a rangefinder camera, um, and I think it was built in the 60s sometime. Um, and uh, it's got a really bright rangefinder, centre patch, and uh, it's got a lovely Ektar 38mm f2.8 lens. Um, it's got um, shutter priority, so you set the shutter yourself, uh, on the front there's a dial and then um, the electronics does the um, exposure and sets the aperture I got lucky I got a working one I had to buy two to find one that works the original camera took a PX30 cell but you can fit a modern um, 3 volt cell with a coin in I found and that works just fine um, to test it I found uh, the best way is to stick the the thing in and um it, my, on mine the battery test lights a bit intermittent so what i do is just push in a dark room just push the uh, um shutter down a bit and you'll see the uh use flash come on so this camera's an x because it uses flash x cubes obviously um uh, magic cubes um it takes one two six cartridges um 
In order to advance the film, you have to wind it up. There's a pull-out thing at the bottom. You sort of wind the camera up and it automatically advances the film uh, every time you take a shot. Um, downsides, well, one, two, six, obviously. Um, also, cartridge reloads, bit of a nightmare with the automatic advance. I've not had much success with cartridge reloads, really. I'm ending up using some lovely Solaris I got. Plus sides, fantastically sharp pictures. Uh, the Kodak Ektar lens, which I think is one of, looking at the yellowish colour, I think it's one of those radioactive ones, is rather lovely. Other downside, the camera weighs 800 grams. It's a brick. <laughs> it's heavy. Um, but who knew? Lovely rangefinder camera from Kodak, uh, the Instamatic X90. I thought I'd do this as a, a bit more of an unusual camera review. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. It's Ian Fleming sending in, as usual, a uh, calling camera review. Bye. All right, Ian. Thank you so much for that calling camera review. Uh, we are always looking for more of those, especially the, the fun, quirky things. Uh, do not be discouraged if a camera has already been reviewed in a Colin camera review. Everybody's got their own perspectives. Everybody uses their cameras differently. Um, some people appreciate certain features more than, uh, than others. There may be some features that you kind of look at, at a certain camera that you own saying, oh man, it's, it's cool that they have that, but I never use that. Whereas another person, that could be, you know, bread and butter. My mind immediately goes to like multiple exposure um, uh, switches, levers, that may be absolutely integral to, you know, one person's photography. And they may have chosen that camera because of its great multiple exposure features, which another person probably never cares about and never uses. Um, speaking of, also, uh, I believe, I, I don't think we mentioned this on the on the Sunday show, but I believe the deadline has passed for the negative positives double exposure challenge. If you, for some reason, uh, missed it, do reach out to uh, both Mike and I, as well as Sean Nelson. We'll see if we can uh, squeeze you in and make uh, some exceptions. But we should be having the um, compilation of all of those images in the uh, the Google Forms that, that Sean is helping us with, and hopefully we should have M uh, coming onto the podcast. Sorry, no, it's actually Mike and I. That's right. Uh, M's going to be judging the the podcast hoster uh, host challenge between us, kind of throwing down the gauntlet with all of our favorite film photography podcasts out there. And then Mike and I are going to be judging the listener submissions. So it should be a lot of fun. And uh, if you if you have missed the deadline, do reach out to us, and uh, <laughs> we'll see if Mr. Sean Nelson can can uh, can be merciful and, and spare you the 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 utter shame and disappointment of, of not having been able to uh, participate if they if they came in a little bit late. Uh, anyways, I'm going to wrap this up because I signed up for a gym membership today and I have to be in there at 7 in the morning tomorrow, which is probably going to be miserable, but I should get some sleep. <laughs> anyways, you can see my film and watch photography on Instagram at Andre on Film. Be sure to email this podcast at negpositives at gmail.com with your questions, call-in camera reviews, or anything else. Do join the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group to keep up to date with personal projects like uh, Michael Bartosek's 2238, the Negative Positives uh, Community Double Exposure Challenge, etc. Plenty of inside jokes, 
and much, much more. Last but not least, be sure to follow Negative Positives on Instagram, run, of course, by friend of the show, Bryce Randall, and use the hashtag Negative Positives so that Bryce can share your images with the rest of us. Everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos. Gutter Man Cave Production!